Good evening, this is WKPR Nightly News with your host, Kevin. Good evening, I'm your host, Kevin. Tonight's top news stories are... Idaho declares statewide hospital resource crisis amid COVID surge. A former NFL player's pregnant daughter fatally shot. An Alabama mom accused of boarding school bus fighting. And as well as amid mixed reactions to vaccines in police departments, COVID becomes leading cause of death. That and more on WKPR Nightly News. Idaho declares statewide hospital resource crisis. State officials made the announcement Thursday, which will permit medical facilities to ration health care and triage patients. Idaho hospitals are so overwhelmed with the surge in corona, coronavirus cases that doctors and nurses have to contact dozens of regional hospitals across the West in hopes of finding places to transfer individual critical patients. The situation has grown so bad that the Idaho Department of Health and Wellness announced Thursday that the entire state is in a hospital resource crisis, permitting medical facilities to ration health care and triage patients. Kutanani Health, a hospital in Cordillalane, Idaho, has already converted a conference room into an overflow COVID unit, started paying traveling nurses $250 an hour, and brought in a military medical unit. The hospital received permission from the state to begin rationing care last week. That all in response to the COVID surge that in recent weeks has taken over much of Idaho, a state with one of the nation's lowest vaccination rates. It's just not it's just nonstop trying to find placement for these patients and the care that they need, said Brian Whitlock, the president and CEO of the Idaho Hospital Association, who noted that hospitals across the state are struggling with the same issue. It really is a minute-by-minute -minute assessment of where beds are open and hospitals saying we don't know where we're going to put the next one. The need for ICU bed space is affecting a range of patients, those suffering from COVID, as well as people who have had heart attacks or strokes or were involved in accidents, for instance. Prior to the pandemic, experts said borders between states in the region were blurry when it came to patient care. While many of the states are known for their beautiful scenery and wide open terrains, the access to critical medical care can be difficult for the small rural towns that pepper its landscape. The earliest access to medical treatment might be across the border rather than within the state's boundaries. Those states' boundaries, however, have become a bit starker as hospitals struggle to keep beds open for patients with their own state. Health leaders in Washington state said that they are attempting to help their neighbor states, but they are keeping a close eye on their own bed space. 
we've had to initiate patient placement committees with physicians and or our various hospitals to rally access and prioritize and conversion with these facilities that are wanting to transfer to recently identify who's at the most risk for higher level of care and what can be managed where they're at and what cannot be managed where they are at, said Peg Curie, the chief operating officer at Providence Healthcare in Spokane, Washington, with which is a 40-minute drive from Condor de Elaine and Katoni Health. It's become an ethical challenge as Washington has been aggressive in its COVID safety measures, while Idaho state leaders have done little to address the largest, the latest surge. Dr. Doug White, the director of the University of Pittsburgh's program on ethics and decision making in critical illness, said that while Washington's healthcare services may feel a moral obligation to help, the need for action falls to Idaho state government. Medical practice is regulated at the state level. Public health interventions come at the state level, and so in an emergency like this, I do think that the state lines become very important because what we're seeing is the, these very stark differences between how Washington state has responded to the pandemic and how Idaho has responded to the pandemic, he said. Nothing that Washington's aggressive safety measures came at the same cost to the state. But the relationships between these hospitals runs deep. Dr. David Pate, a member of Idaho Coronavirus Task Force and the former president and CEO of St. Luke's Health System in Boise, said that because of how far Idaho's towns are from metropolitan areas, it was common prior to the pandemic for doctors to send their patients to cities like Spokane, Salt Lake City, Seattle, Portland, Oregon, and other far-flung cities in the region. It often required patients to take to be taken by plane or helicopter or close coordination between medical facilities. Now he said doctors are being forced to call 30 or more hospitals across multiple states to find a bed for a single patient in hospitals with which they have little to no relationship. Some doctors in Idaho have called as far south as Texas and as far east as Georgia. We're taking seven to eight hours to call a bunch of hospitals to see if one will take our patient who might face a time-sensitive emergency, Pate said. Seven to eight hours might mean that patient won't survive. The challenge of transfers added to the pressure of Idaho to establish crisis standards of care which means doctors can triage patients dependent on bed space availability and healthcare workers without specific training can be brought in to work in the ICU. For Idaho's health leaders, the number of hospital transfers that Kanati Health and had to decline because of the COVID surge crystallized the need to change their standards last week. A regional transfer hub for patients in urgent need of critical care, typically things like car accidents, heart attacks, and strokes, Katoni Health has had to turn down 392 patients' transfer requests in the month of August because of the number of COVID patients. From July to the end of September last year, they turned down 18 patient transfers. Katoni Health is not the only hospital that has established these new care standards. 
And northern Idaho is not the only part of the state that may be implementing them. When Idaho declared it would ration care in the northern region last week, the state's health and welfare director, Dave Jefferson, called it a last resort. Earlier this week, he said crisis standards of care were immediate for hospitals in the rest of the state, given that Idaho continues to set new records for hospitalizations and patients and in intensive care unit and on ventilators due to COVID. The number of increasing at an alarming rate, and we do not see peak in a peak in sight, he said at a briefing on Tuesday. In his announcement on Tuesday, Jefferson pleaded with Idaho residents, stating that best way to end this crisis standards of care for its most people to get vaccinated. The situation is dire, he said. We don't have enough resources to adequately treat the patients in our hospitals. Whether you are there for COVID-19 or a heart attack or because of a car accident. Under critical standards of care, the state allows health care providers to make difficult decisions on how to accumulate and use scarce medical resources. That means some patients could go without treatment, as treatment is saved for those most likely to survive. Idaho is not alone in pursuing this type of care. Billings Clinic, a 300-bed hospital in Montana, is considering adopting crisis standards of care as its ICU hits 150% capacity. Alaska's largest hospital, Province Alaska Medical Center in Anchorage, said Tuesday that based on the number of patients they had been forced within our hospital to implement crisis standards of care. Meanwhile, hospitals in Wyoming are not normally equipped with pediatric beds or struggling to address a wave of pediatric illnesses. Eric Boley, the president of the state's hospital association, said they tragically depend on neighboring states to take critically ill kids. We really don't have pediatric beds in our state, so we rely on surrounding states to help us with those, he said. And we're seeing a big uptick in pediatric cases right now. In frustration for healthcare leaders across the West as they struggle to get the this latest surge under control. With few signs, it will let up anytime soon. The region's healthcare systems could be stretched to their breaking point in the region of the in in a region of the country that remains highly skeptical of COVID vaccines and mask mandates. It doesn't matter what you believe about COVID right now. What matters is that our healthcare systems at capacity, said Pate of Idaho's coronavirus task force. I'm asking people work with, with us for a month, six weeks, humor us, be careful. Don't let, don't get in a large crowd Wear a mask and please consider getting COVID vaccine. Former NFL player Brandon Short's pregnant daughter killed in Pennsylvania shooting. Former NFL player Brandon Short said his eldest daughter, Carrie, was killed in a senseless act of gun violence earlier this week. My heart is broken. I have lost the light of my life. Short, 44, wrote on Facebook on Monday saying his daughter had been shot that morning. The love he had, the love she had was so pure and true, he wrote. The world lost a beautiful soul. Thank you for everyone who has reached out, and please keep our family in your prayers as we struggle through this difficult time. 
NBC affiliate WPXI reported that Carrie Short, 26, was killed in Mixkeepsport, Pennsylvania, a Wednesday, a city, sorry, a city in Allegheny County outside of Pittsburgh. Her father told the news station that she was five months pregnant. We would just, we just found out it was a little boy, so we lost two, Short said. According to the Allegheny County Police Department, a woman was fatally shot in the head at 10.32 a.m. Monday. They did not identify the woman. Neither police nor did Allegheny County Medical Examiner's Office immediately respond to the request for more information. Short, a linebacker, played for Penn State University before playing in the NFL for the New York Giants and the Carolina Panthers. He currently serves on the Penn State Board of Trustees. On behalf of the Board of Trustees, we extend our heartfelt condolences to the family, friends of the loved ones of Trustee Brandon Short's daughter, Carrie Short, Carly Short, in her passing. Board Chairman Matthew Schroeder said in a statement that her life was cut short too soon as a result of an act of violence is a tragedy for Carly and her, fa and her family and friends and a great loss to the members of the Mickeysport community. My heart is heavy as I think about the traumatic event this tragic loss of a young person will have on the entire Port community. Our condolences go out to Brandon and the entire Short family, Penn State President Eric J. Byron added. Cowrelease Short, Wake is set for Friday in Mickeysport and her family and her Sorry, and her funeral is scheduled for the following day. Alabama mom accused of boarding school bus fighting an 11-year-old. And an Alabama mother was arrested on assault and other charges after she got into a fight with an 11-year-old on Jefferson County school on a Jefferson County school bus, an incident that was captured on video and shared on social media. The altercation happened around 7.18 a.m. on Tuesday in Center Point, about 14 miles northeast of Birmingham. The Jefferson County Sheriff, Sheriff's Office and deputies were dispatched to the bus for a report of an assault. The mother, Nyat Waldrop, boarded the bus and confronted an 11-year-old student whom Waldrop suspected of bullying her child, authorities said. The 11-year-old and Waldrop got into an altercation on the bus, the sheriff's office said in a news release. While Drop 37 was arrested on charges of third-degree assault, trespassing on a school bus, and disorderly conduct, jail records show. She was released Tuesday morning, a few hours after she was booked. It's not clear if Waldrop obtained an attorney. We are aware of the video circulating on social media of a fight that occurred on one of our school buses Tuesday morning, Jefferson County Superintendent Walter Gunkselin said in a statement about the incident, I want to be very clear, this type of behavior is unacceptable and will not be tolerated. He said the district is reviewing what led up to the dispute. Adults who are not school employees are not allowed on school buses, the superintendent added. While this is now a law enforcement matter, let me say that say what I saw on the video deeply disturbs me, Garlinsian said. At no point is 
any type of violence acceptable, especially violence against students. We have been and will continue to cooperate fully with law enforcement. This is among the COVID police department aspects. Octavia Tuckley said, said she and her husband, Aaron, were grateful this year that their jobs made them among the first people eligible to be vaccinated against COVID-19. He was a police officer, and at that time, she was working remotely as a teacher. Aaron Tuckley was planning to get his, get his first dose on March 11th, his wife said, but he never made it. Tuckley, a 24-year-old veteran of the Philadelphia Police Department, died of COVID on March 3rd. His funeral was held eight days later, the same day he had planned to get the first dose. Octavia Tokley said the, main, the pain she feels from the death of her husband, with whom she has a five-year-old daughter, Amethyst has been compounded by vaccine hesitancy and outright refusal, including among those who work in law enforcement and the unions that represent them. I wish that they saw it as another means of protection, she said. And I wish that they saw the vaccine as they were protecting and serving the people that they work with. The National Law Enforcement Office, uh, Officers Memorial Fund said that the recent mid-year report that COVID-19 is the leading cause of death for officers nationwide. According to a nonprofit, from January 1st to June 30th, 71 officers died of COVID-related causes, more than firearm and traffic-related incidents combined. The number has continued climbing since the report was released with 133 officers having died of COVID to date this year, the nonprofit said. Last year, more law enforcement officers died of COVID-19 than any other case, according to the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial Fund. Many police officers, including Aaron Tokley, died before the vaccine was widely available or before they could get vaccinated. And while performing jobs that put them in close contact with other communities as the virus spread, but others have lost their lives as people around the country, including law enforcement officers, resist vaccination. Even as COVID-19 surpasses other causes of death for law enforcement officers, many people, many police unions, including the in Chicago, New York, and Seattle, have fiercely opposed vaccine mandates. At coronavirus, at a coronavirus briefing Monday, New Jersey State Police Superintendent Colonel Patrick Callahan said he believed officers reluctant to get vaccinated have contributed to the apparent COVID-19 related deaths last week of 22 law enforcement officers nationwide. Last week, firefighters and police officers from across New Jersey attended a protest against vaccine mandates in Newark, the state's largest city. Newark Mayor's Roz Barcara's vaccine requirement for city workers has been challenged in court by a number of unions representing police officers and firefighters. It just really makes me feel really disappointed, and they see so many of their brothers and sisters in blue die from the virus, and they have the opportunity to take take a stand for them and live for them in their honor for, or just for themselves, for their families, but won't. 
Coakley said. The Philadelphia Police Department told NBC News in August that it did not know how many of its officers were vaccinated. Tokley said that she, ha- she and her husband did not need encouragement to get vaccinated. They had resolved to protect themselves in any way they could. From the start of the p- pandemic, Tokley said she would send her husband to work each night with a book bag filled with gloves, masks, and Lysol wipes and spray to protect them from the coronavirus. Amethyst was the first of the three to show symptoms and to test positive. Tokley said she and her husband, who had two children from a previous relationship and was a reverend at Calvary Baptist Church in West Philadelphia, suspected he had contracted COVID-19 while on duty. Amethyst, however, initially blamed herself for her for her father's death, Tokley said. She knew that we found out about her first, and, and she said, it's my fault that my daddy isn't alive, Tokley said. The daughter was treated Aaron, who treated Aaron while he was in the hospital assured Amethyst she was not to blame, Tokley said. Aaron is one of six Philadelphia police officers who died of COVID-19, as of Monday, Jamie Jasmine Hall, whose father, Mark Hall Sr., a police officer in New Orleans, died of COVID-19 last year, has become a vaccine advocate in her family and a supporter of vaccine mandates. While there are still breakthroughs in cases, it gives you a fighting chance, said Hall, 29, and prompts assistant. My dad didn't have the fighting chance. Mark Hall Sr. died on October 3rd, or sorry, on April 30th, 2020, at the age of 53. His family believes the 30-year police veteran would have gotten inoculated against COVID because he did get the flu vaccine every year. As part of his job at the start of the pandemic, Hall helped to transport homeless people who gathered under the Columbine Avenue Bridge to hotels, his daughter said. Sonia Hall said her husband went to an urgent care four times after he suspected he had contracted COVID-19 on duty, but he was refused tests each time because the policy that limited the number of times a person could be tested. I do not believe that he got the best care, but I understand at at the time why that was, Jasmine Hall said. No one knew what COVID was and what it does to the body. Her father eventually spent nearly a month in the hospital with the coronavirus. He died months before the vac- a vaccine was available. The halls are all now vaccinated against COVID-19. Zonia said that even though she is not entirely sold on the effectiveness of the vaccines, she was inoculated at the urging of her children because she has an autoimmune disease and because 17 people close to her have died of COVID-19. She said her children are for the vaccines, including Mark Hall Jr., who graduated from the New Orleans Police Department Training Academy shortly after his father's death. The city of New Orleans requires that police officers either be vaccinated or tested weekly. Mark Hall, 24, said he didn't need the city or police department to force him to get vaccinated, despite encouraging colleagues within the department 
and people in the city who he believes are not taking the virus seriously. It doesn't make me invulnerable, he said, of the vaccine, but I'd rather have as much protection as I can. Now on to the weather. For your daily weather forecast in Jackson, Ohio. Today we have a high of around 80 degrees, sun and clouds mixed, winds light and variable. Tonight's lows are 62 degrees with a clear sky. Tomorrow, Friday, sunny along with a few clouds, a stray shower or thunderstorm is possible. High around 85, winds light and variable. Friday night, mostly clear skies, low around 64, winds light and variable. For Saturday, Partly cloudy skies, a stray shower or thunderstorm is possible, high of 83 degrees, winds light and variable. Saturday night, low of 61 with partly cloudy skies. For Sunday, generally sunny despite a few afternoon clouds, high of 83, winds light and variable. For Sunday night, partly and to mostly cloudy, low of 64, winds light and variable. For Monday, variable clouds with scattered thunderstorms, high of 79, winds south-southeast at 5 to 10 miles an hour. Chance of rain, 50%. Monday night, cloudy with occasional showers late at night, low around 65, winds light and variable, chance of rain, 60 degrees. This has been a WKPR Nightly News. We now return you back to your regular scheduled programming.